These kids need to get out more. Welcome to the 15th episode of All of the Above, a weekly podcast about design, code, and learning. Each week, an instructional designer, a user experience designer, and a software engineer take apart the world one topic at a time. My name is Brian Brush, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Sam Bantner. There's a ghost in my house. Okay, we'll get back to that. And Sean Duran. I I don't think I have a ghost, but hello. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm happy you're safe, Sean. Sam, please explain your ghost So, as you started doing this, I'm sitting here, I'm recording in a different room in my house, and all the records literally just fell over. I'm just going to go with that's maybe some physics. (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. They were in a different direction. Like, they were oriented against the wall. They were leaning left. They were they leaning left, right. and they fell right. Hmm. So, I'm glad that you guys are here now, because who knows what will happen in the next 30 minutes that we're recording. I'm just going <laughs> to stare at these records the entire time. It'll make for one hell of a podcast if it <laughs> actually shows up. <laughs> And so I'm going to assume that your week has been good, Sam. Yeah. Sean, how about yours? My week's been uh, pretty good. I I had sushi multiple times, and I can't really complain about that. Sushi is always lovely. And your new job is going well? Oh, yeah. I have a new job. I'm officially a user experience designer. So that's cool. And then I've just been orientated a lot. Oh, good old onboarding processes. Oh, yeah. It's all good. And then I'm just, like, thrown into some, like, beginning projects. Like, hey, it's your first day. Here's two things you should do. Like, oh. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and tomorrow you're going to have your first RFP from an external company. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll put that, uh, take that conversation offline. Yes, please. Thank you. I have no idea how to transition out of that, so... It's okay. We're just playing games. That is this week's topic. We are taking a look at the whole world of games, which is pretty broad, so we're clearly not going to be able to hit on all of it, um, and we'll probably have to come back to it someday and get a little more narrow. But um, before we get started with that, I wanted to take a moment to direct everyone over to our show notes. Uh, So if you hop on to alloftheabove.audio slash episodes slash 015, you'll be able to find links to everything we're discussing throughout the show, or you can pull it up on your favorite podcast player. So if you've got Overcast sitting in front of you, you can just sort of scroll on the screen there and be able to see all of our beautiful show notes as well. Um, But with that said, I'll go ahead and kick us off with games. And I wanted to start out by discussing gamification, in particular gamification and learning. In order to really discuss that, I feel we should first sort of establish what exactly gamification is. Yes. So, Sean, if someone asked you to explain gamification, what would you tell them? Making uh, tasks or actions that usually aren't fun or have any purpose other than doing them themselves, some kind of added value that is fun, whether that be accruing some points or getting some badges or um, doing something like Candy Crush and making you addicted. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That Candy Crush style gameplay is incredibly addictive. But just apply that to learning. Just like, yeah, yeah, just get addicted to knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually one of the reasons that gamification has become so big in learning. But another instance in which you can see gamification is in marketing. Um, So do you guys remember growing up and how a lot of serials had like online video games that you could go play? Checks. Yes. Checks. Yeah. 
I don't remember Chex having one. I remember a Cheerios one because you were the bee and you had to fly around and do stuff. Huh. What was the Chex one? Oh, I'm looking for it right now. I'll find it here in a second, but <laughs> and I will send it to everybody. One of the best games I ever played in my life. Kid you not. Will it even still work? Came from a Chex cereal box. Uh, I have no idea. Oh, like you mean the CDs that came with it. Oh man, we're really going far back. Because I remember getting one. I think like it was weird. I don't know what cross-promotional activities were going on, but I got, like, Monopoly just on a CD. It was Chex Quest. It was a first-person shooter. <laughs> and it was by far the best game I think I've ever played, and it came from a cereal box. Uh, reading up on it now, it looks like they had a budget of $500,000, and they made Chex Quest. And yes, it yes, it is one of the greatest <laughs> games I've ever played, and I will stand by that for the rest of my life. I kind of want to see if there's a way to find it and be able to play it now and see if you just feel that young Sam was completely distracted by having a free game or if it was actually really that good. It it was the best. It was based off of Doom, the video game. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it looks like none Doom. Of this sounds, yeah, none <laughs> of this sounds child appropriate at yeah, all. Yeah, 1996. It was nonviolent because you would, you would never kill anything. It was on American Online Disc. <laughs> That really does look like Doom. Yeah. Wow. So, Chex Quest, by far the greatest game to ever come out of a cereal box. <laughs> That's a very niche market, but that works. So, so, to try to bring us back on topic here, one of the more like official definitions, I guess, for gamification is the application of typical elements of gameplay. So, for example, point scoring, competition with others, rules of play, or as Sean had mentioned, badges and that sort of thing, um, and applying those to other areas of activity. So, a growing use of that strategy is happening in education and training. And this is for a few reasons, one of which Sean had touched on, which is motivation. Um, so a really great game can get us to sit down, get completely into a state of flow, and just completely lose track of time. Uh, so I know if somebody puts civilization in front of me, <laughs> I have lost the next like 72 hours of my life. So trying to get that level of engagement from students in education or a training program would be pretty incredible. And so gamification tries to accomplish that, and it also allows us to create complex environments that allow students to um, apply skills that they've been learning throughout a course. So all of that, though, is assuming that the game was actually well designed, um, mm. and a lot of instructional designers or teachers that are putting together games have zero knowledge of game design. So I was wondering if you guys have seen any good instances in which gamification is used in learning and how you felt about the experience experience of going through that so there's this game i used to play uh called operation neptune it's a math game and you're in a submarine and the goal of the game is to get to the end whatever and it's really gamified but eventually you have to answer math questions and it ends with kind of a crazy like combination type puzzle i spent so many hours playing this game when i was younger that i don't know it, it was just a ton of fun i'm gonna have to look that one up do you feel like you actually learned math better from playing the game or was it just entertaining to you it was just entertaining and uh it really did help because it was at the time of my life when i was doing multiplication and division and a little bit of algebra so it kind of helped out a lot with that 
Yeah, because that's one of the things I've always wondered is I remember playing a lot of various mostly math-focused games uh, in school or just at home for education, but I don't necessarily remember all the names of them, and I suck at math, so I don't know if I'm just inherently (laughs) bad at math and it didn't matter if they even had the best game out there or if the games just really didn't have an effect for improving education for me, at least in the way that they were developed. But Sean, I know you've been trying to think of a game which we may not be able to remember what the name of it was, but did you want to talk to us about sort of what the gameplay was like and whether you felt that it was a positive thing for your learning? Yeah, I I don't know if it was a positive thing looking back <laughs> at it, because looking at it, like remembering it as I remember it now, I, I don't think it was very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine Math Blaster, which pretty much everyone should know, like you'd find the right numbers, the operators, put them together. Cool. Imagine that, but more of a Pac-Man style and an Aztec ruins environment. And then you can only go down certain paths on these temples. And there's this guy with like a a stick that like pounds the ground sometimes when you get it right, or he gets really mad when you get it wrong. Mm. The fact that I remember more about the... The gameplay, the gameplay. the actual learning. Yeah, because it was really easy. It was just the hardest part was actually beating it because some levels were just like, I know what to do, but I can't I can't do it because I'm like a, a six-year-old kid and this is a very challenging just going from point A to point B. Not the whole, um, you know, math equation of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of when I'm thinking how a lot of instructional designers or teachers aren't necessarily gifted with game design, and that in the same regard, the really good game designers out there may not be very good with the educational side of things. Oh, yeah. And so you'll run into stuff like that, where you have a game that you remember and you enjoyed playing, but you don't necessarily recall like having learned from it. And it's hard for us to, looking back that far, to try to analyze it and see if we actually feel that we learned from it, because maybe it was so effective at sucking us into the game. <laughs> that we were learning and we just didn't realize it. Yeah, it's hard to go back and like, oh yeah, that definitely helped me improve. When you, yeah. it, it's just, we were so little. <laughs> well, yeah, which is I, like one of the things that uh, the game developers in the educational industry out there need to possibly do more of is the analysis and evaluation stages of instructional design where they actually look right, how were students scoring on if we were to continue with math as the subject how are they scoring on math before what were their problem areas where did they struggle and where did they excel and then after the game are they still excelling at what they were good at and have they improved elsewhere where they were struggling um, and I don't see that much in the way of research presented from a lot of game developers probably because it's not that exciting as a marketing <laughs> point but at least for like parents and teachers who are contemplating allowing their kids to play it at home or even in the classroom like you think that you would at least want to include a little bit of research for them to be motivated enough to actually make the purchase and promote it within their school um so that's just i don't know that's one of the challenges with this whole gamification thing is it's a huge growing trend in the industry right now and it's i'm especially seeing a lot of it in the training industry for adults learners, um, but I'm not really seeing very many good applications of it out there. And I'm seeing also just a lot of people who get frustrated because they can tell they're somebody's trying to just force like gameplay on them to hide yeah. the burden of learning. Mm-hmm. And when you're aware that there's some sort of like deception there, that's going to be much more unmotivational than it is helpful. But that was all I sort of had to hit on with those points. Um, so Sean, do we want to hop over to your topic yeah 
So I was looking at the gaming arena, uh, just in terms of like, there are digital games, and then there are physical games like board games or card games, and just the marrying of the two. So you can get like the best of both worlds where you can have a computer do what's good. You know, the computer can do what it's good at. And then the humans can have fun and not worry about too much of the um, stack keeping or anything like that. Uh, But you also get the worst of both worlds. So the fact that you can lose a piece and if that piece is like $15 because it has like a microchip in it or something like that. Well, that sort of stinks, especially if you have like 10 of them. And you need <laughs> you need to buy these pieces and stuff like that. Um, so that that was my idea of things. So have you guys ever played a game that was like that? That had both a f- physical element plus a digital element combined? I was thinking about this because we've discussed this as a group before, just not anything that we've released on the podcast. And when we had talked about it before, I couldn't think to anything that I've done that actually, or played that actually fit that criteria. But I've certainly seen other people play them or seen the games advertised. But I was actually thinking to something known as geocaching, which in a way is sort of a game where there's, you have like this digital sort of guide or set of riddles to try to help you get to a location. And as you're walking around, it tells you like proximity to specific caches which are real world locations where stuff is hidden and you have to try to solve these riddles to go find these hidden things and so that sort of like universal real world experience i guess is would technically fall under the criteria of this physical and digital world being meshed together in a game type of experience but sam have you ever played anything that fits these criteria I haven't, which is, I don't know why I haven't, but I haven't. And I'm thinking about it now, and I'm just, I have regrets in my life now. (laughs) I was going to say, of all of the people that would probably have participated in this style of game, it would have been you. Yeah. Although, actually, I just, I thought of another one just now, Anki Drive. Have you guys ever played Anki Drive? Oh, yeah. It's my dream. I've never played it. I've just seen people either on stage try and mess with it and, you know, not failing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) or uh i think that's about it or just videos i haven't really seen it in person yeah because i guess the more i like i'm thinking about this the more i'm realizing i have played things like this anki drive was actually pretty fun like it got a little repetitive after you've played so many rounds because you're you were just stuck to that one specific track pattern but now they have it where you can actually design your own tracks so they're certainly making that better but that is sort of what i guess one of the things that makes me apprehensive about these games is what you were talking about sean where the pieces or components can be really expensive Mm -hmm. and to lose or maintain those can be pretty annoying and Monkey Drive, just the physical layer to that was a pretty hefty price tag. And it like it certainly makes sense considering the technology that they're putting into it. Um, but that has probably prevented me from ever actually purchasing one of these sorts of games. Just for one car of an Anki Drive car is like 50 bucks, which compared to a Hot Wheels, which is like maybe five bucks, (laughs) maybe even a dollar if you're in a lucky spot. But I I think a a cool thing with that, though, is don't the stats and all the upgrades you do stay with the car. So if you trade it with another person like, hey, I have this one, he can do this, 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 it has really good ammo, has really good weapons, but your guy has Mm -hmm. better turning. Let's swap. And then it just stays with that device, which is sort of cool 
Yeah, it is cool. And then, like, I think there was... can't remember if there was a team layer to it where you could have, like, two players were on a team and the other two were on the opposing team. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, like, you can strategically choose, all right, well, this car's got this set of advantages, so you should pick the car that has, like, a pair that matches with that well. Mm -hmm. So that sort of thing does make it more, like, interesting and unique where it becomes almost a tradable component as well. Uh, But I was... What were some of the other games that you have seen out there? Like, I think... You would put um, sort of like MMORPGs, which are massive multiplayer online role-playing games that have a physical element. So was there an example of that that you had? Cannot for the life of me remember. Oh, I think it's Golem Arcana. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It has like little figurines that you can play. Well, not not play. Well, you do play with it, but they're like, um, I forget what they're... Oh my gosh. <laughs> like what the little pieces are called? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because there was another I've game got... that was exactly they had, it had little clicks and they had little circles. Is it Hero Clicks? It was before that, but I think Hero Clicks might be the same idea. I think Hero Hero Clicks was the predecessor. Mm. It was made by WizKids. Yeah, I know that. It was Hero Clicks, but it had a name beforehand. Yeah, that existed. But it, imagine that. But you can play with other people online. I think you can do it. So even if let's say us three, we want to play, but we won't. We aren't all in the same room. I think you can still do it and but i may be lying (laughs) (laughs) maybe there isn't a version of this out there and we just came up with a great idea i don't know because if you just look at that and like if i just sit here with like little figurines in front of me and i'm playing with you guys it's like sort of like digital chess but without the human element which is what you want (laughs) with something (laughs) like that because if you just if we're all in the same room and we played with each other with the, this game, it would then let us sort of just focus on each other, having a good time there, and with all the added benefit of like the computer can remember, oh, these are the hit points for everything, uh, these are the rules, so you can't really do anything like wrong. <laughs> and um, another cool thing is that you can um, like do balancing after the fact. So if the game was made and you're like, oh, everyone picks that guy because he's overpowered and (laughs) you can't really do anything but either a ban him or b just like oh yeah if you have them we just knock down his points but since the stats and stuff could be all digital it could be like a software update and just improve the game experience which is awesome yeah that's a really cool component to these meshed games with the physical and digital because i had never really thought about if there is a design flaw within the game that you can do a software update to patch that Mm -hmm. or or if like the game has just started to become stagnant, you can just use push a software update <laughs> that may introduce like new components of gameplay that might make it exciting again and get your audience like that's existing audience um, like excited once more to keep playing the game. And also it can collect stats so it can learn how people use it and what they like about it, what they don't like about it, and then just maximize the happiness that, that comes from playing the game or just tweaking things post creation. Yeah. And I saw that you also put like a little comment about handicaps within the game where like if they're, I assume what you mean by that is if they're incredibly like strong players playing against somebody who's brand new, mm-hmm. that the software could introduce elements to try to help level those two out. Mm -hmm. and make it enjoyable for everyone to play again yeah that that is a pretty awesome just because i know have you guys ever played like a multiplayer game and you were the better person (laughs) no one else wants to play with you it's like everything like oh oh yeah i'm sorry sam you are the best at everything (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just joking i'm not at all 
I don't. I feel like he would kill me in Check's quest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, because I remember being like, not to brag, but the best player for Tony Hawk for a skater one through I think like four or five up until the point they get like Tony Hawk Thug, Tony Hawk Underground. I think I got to two and then I stopped. I'm like, oh, this. I've been doing this too long, too much. <laughs> But I'd, I would just get like a million point combos all the time. And then my friends, they didn't like to play with me. But I was like, I want to play with people. And this was before like networked games. Like I couldn't go online and play with people, especially during the early days. So I was just a lonely kid. I was really yeah. good at Tony Hawk Pro Skater. This is sort of completely unrelated to games, but it's related to Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I did yeah. not learn until maybe like two years ago that the video game discs for like the PlayStation, if you took those and put them in a CD player, it would play the game's soundtrack. What? What? Yeah. So like I always wanted all those songs and I didn't learn <laughs> oh until like God. two years ago that I could have just put them in a damn CD player. Yeah. Oh my god. My like little kid Sean would have been crazy because I, for some reason I was very bad at googling at that point in time. <laughs> and I was addicted to Superman. I feel like everyone liked that I'm song. I'm still addicted to Superman. Yeah. And then I was like, who who wrote this? How do I get this CD? How do I how do I get this song all the time? Cuz all I would have to do is just keep playing a level and then if it didn't start with that song, I just restart it <laughs> until it <laughs> It gets to the song I wanted. And you only got two minutes and about 20 seconds. Even if your trick was going longer than that, it would just cut off. At, it would fade out. And then you, when you beat the game uh, at that bullring level, you... Um, the end like video clip had like the last 30 seconds of the song so i was missing this indefinite amount of time between two minutes and 20 seconds and the last 30 seconds of the song and i didn't know what was happening there and i i don't know i spent years trying to find the song and the band and i don't i, I was just a very stupid kid apparently i i don't know <laughs> But then I think I'm like at least the third Tony Hawk Pro Skater. They were like, oh, people like the music and they, they actually want to like choose what they want to listen to <laughs> sometimes. Then they let you do playlists. But it wasn't up until then that you could like do anything with the soundtrack. Now, if you ever find a copy of it at a used video game store, you can just put it into your optical disk drive, assuming you still have a computer that has one and save it. Yeah, I don't have one, unfortunately. But I do. I have all the discs. You want to come on over? I have PlayStation 2. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say we all need to go to Kingmakers after this and play board games while drinking, but that also sounds like a wonderful idea. Yeah, yeah you want to get need to uh, visit your house. Oh, yeah, you guys have never been over here. I actually don't live where you think I live. I just got dropped off there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that, that, was my, uh, that was my burner house. <laughs> your burner <laughs> <laughs> well so, since we're speaking of getting together and playing games um sam your topic was about whether single player games are truly enjoyable yeah um so i feel like it's a good point to switch over to that yeah i'd rather just switch this entire conversation to the ghost in my house though although the records haven't moved anymore because they are now on the ground i feel like something's watching me do you have a feeling i have a feeling i did watch that 
Citizen Four documentary, the one on Edward Snowden today. So I'm just paranoid about everything right now. <laughs> yeah, I need to watch that. I heard it was pretty good, and it's right up my alley. Yeah, but yeah, so there's a ghost in my house. But uh, yeah, single player games. Can they truly be enjoyable? We don't know. Do we? I don't know. Do we know anything? What is life? That's the real question. What is life? So single player games were kind of a big thing in our childhood, but before our childhood, it was uh, board games. People would play board games all the time, and most board games out there are multiplayer, especially European board games. There aren't a lot of single player games, maybe a few different card games like Solitary and different things like that. Solitary? Solitaire. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. On last episode, I said communication period instead of communication pyramid. So. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. <laughs> but there were board games before single player games really became a thing. And then consoles came out, which uh, for most people listening was probably Super Nintendo. I remember I grew up with Atari and then had a Nintendo. Okay. So in between maybe consoles and board games, which I mean, there wasn't like an in between, it's just pre consoles and then after consoles and consoles yeah have you guys ever seen like the vhs um games i don't know how else to describe it you put the vhs in and then it would go through directions and set up like a a gameplay and then tell you like oh no uh smoky robinson set fire to the (laughs) the coal mine i don't know and then you have to do some detective work with like a board game or some kind of stuff that you have in front of you i don't know what i'm talking about all right i have never heard of anything like that and (laughs) it sounds almost like an early concept to what your topic was with physical Mm -hmm. and digital worlds being combined yeah i've never heard of anything like that using vhs in combination with like physical board games in front of you but sam you had been talking about like early consoles and i know nes was the first console that i ever remember having and playing on complete with a game (laughs) genie which changed my life I guess like with those, and it might be why I've still, I think I still feel this way whenever I play video games today is for me, it was always a social thing uh, because I would always watch my brother who is seven years older than me play games. And even if I wasn't playing with him, um, I just enjoyed like the experience of sitting and talking with him while he was playing, or he would occasionally trick me and tell me that it was multiplayer and just plug Mm. in a second controller, even though it didn't actually do anything. That sort of brotherly trick. But what were what was it that you were going to say about these early like digital consoles? So early consoles, there was a focus on multiplayer. Like the Super Nintendo came with two controllers and Super Mario where you could play multiplayer. And then it kind of got into bigger consoles, which had more controller ports, but only came with one controller and no games. And the only game that you would buy or the first game would be a single player game and you'd kind of play by yourself. Then the internet hit and that kind of brought back cooperative play and people started playing together. Hey, Halo was the big thing for me. Halo 2 really got into co-op. Halo and Halo 2, land parties all the time, hanging out with all my high school friends, getting arrested, you know, stuff that normal people do in high school. Do you now play like games online in the same fashion, like uh, Halo? I don't know. I've really been out of video games for a long time. I develop them for companies and personally, but I don't know. I just don't really play them as much as I used to. I feel like the whole co-op, the LAN party thing was like that was the that was the high point of my video game career, and it's kind of gone downhill. Yeah, because I was just going to ask, like, is the whole like togetherness in the same room a better experience than? 
than doing it online. Yeah, I feel like it is for the lag one, <laughs> like a little bit of lag. Nowadays, it kind of doesn't matter. But like the whole like bringing people together, the camaraderie that you guys would have, like hanging out, ordering pizza, like being able to talk and then play games and like physically like hit and yell at each <laughs> other. That was that was a lot of fun. But nowadays, you just have people online, little tiny kids who stand behind this screen and they have their headsets and they'll say the most obscene things in the world because they're so little and they can do whatever they want because their parents are like, oh, just go play video games and leave me alone. (laughs) And they just don't get outside enough. These kids need to go and explore. The forests are dying. They're never going to see an American chestnut tree. They're dead. They're gone. (laughs) The dogwoods are quickly dying away in this country. These kids need to get out more. Well, this is our crotchety old man segment of the show. But to Sean, to your point earlier, uh, when before Sam went on this rant um, about whether the like online gameplay experience is the same, and a lot of what Sam was mentioning, like being in the same room, that camaraderie, and all of that was mm-hmm. what I miss the most. But it's also like the online gameplay experience doesn't let you essentially choose who you're going to play with. Like you can certainly set up a party where it's like, all right, so Paul and Peter are at home right now so i'll connect with them and we'll Mm -hmm. all play a game online together um but that experience just isn't the same and when they aren't available to connect online then you're just playing with strangers which (laughs) may be the small children that sam was just mentioning uh who have incredibly foul mouths um or it could just be somebody who doesn't even Mm -hmm. speak the same language as you which is it's really cool that we can be connected with those people and we can play a game and share in that experience but it doesn't carry the same weight that being together with your friends and having a shared fun experience together does for some people like if for people that enjoy that kind of interaction some people are more like they'd rather stay at home and they get tons of enjoyment out of playing online it it just depends on the personality because it affords you to like i can play at any time any time like any day i don't have to be like oh hey john are you ready uh no i have stuff to do there there's nothing they can just hop on until like 5 a.m no one's really going to stop them and then you can get to, get in cases where they they forget to like eat and die i think someone died in i think korea some kind of i think yeah, it happens in korea south korea because north korea it would not make any sense a starcraft i think yeah starcraft player i remember that story but i was <laughs> this also has me thinking like i certainly enjoy just being able at any time to say like well i want to play this game and play it with a bunch of other people and being able to hop online and do it but a lot of and this is where like pc gaming has this huge advantage is a lot of the consoles uh, are developing games that are almost purely multiplayer. So like Titanfall doesn't really have a campaign. It's a story that's being told over top of multiplayer Mm -hmm. online. There's a really fun game that's out right now called Evolved, which is entirely centered around multiplayer play. But almost all of these new games coming out don't allow you to have somebody else sit down Mm -hmm. and play the game with you. Like even if it is a friend and you're both together in this the same house like a lot of the consoles just don't have a split screen multiplayer option so you would have to have a second console and it's like they've stripped the ability for us to even have that old form of getting together in a communal situation and playing a game um, and stripped that away and just left us with purely yeah. the online experience and i i think that's very like unfortunate in terms of the way or you can always just uh, hop on twitch and then just watch other people play <laughs> get your kicks out of that
I guess that is a like guilty pleasure of mine, actually, is watching other people play games, which may come from watching my brother play <laughs> games growing up. But that is like being able to pull up on a PS4 and just pull up Twitch or just hop onto my computer and pull up twitch.tv and be able to watch uh, somebody else playing a game there is actually pretty fun. And then you also have like mm-hmm. you can watch competitive video game players there are even universities that have scholarships for teams now yeah like league of legends is pretty hardcore with that lol yeah but you guys bringing up twitch twitch is a great thing because people are starting to develop games around twitch to where it's more of an interactive movie movie going on and they want people to watch it uh telltale games they make the walking dead game game of thrones they make a few others uh of their like individual ips but they have a very story driven game that they want other people to watch and it's visually it's it's just beautiful so people can sit there and just watch you play this game and watch you make the decisions you make and kind of evolve your character within the storyline that they provide for you. But I feel like Twitch has done good for the community because better games are coming out for individuals, but it's still kind of a, a co-op multiplayer type experience because people are actually watching you play. If you had to develop something, usually the, the person that would be using it, like the person that's playing the game, that's roughly what you'd be concerned about. But now you're like thinking, okay the person that's going to be playing it that's one thing but it also has to be enjoyable enough to watch that the the viewer is also a you can say like a different kind of user just a consumer of sorts that's a that's interesting way of thinking about it because i know um uh whatchamacallit monument valley they baked in like the screenshots and they made it so it was very easy to share like where you are in a level or in the game and they like thought about that and like yeah this is a very pretty game and if you haven't played it have you guys ever played monument valley yeah yeah i've played monument valley it is incredibly beautiful and while i never took advantage of this screenshot thing the one of the main reasons i even downloaded the game to play was because everyone else was posting these really beautiful images and showing like where they were in terms of progress and somebody else would sit like message them (laughs) back and say oh i was stuck on that one for a while um and so that sort of communal experience was really i think well thought out especially for mobile games which don't typically have that like broadcast yeah system in mind whereas like console and pc games you it's now very well established that you may stream while you're playing but that's incredibly rare to see for mobile games yeah because taking like a screenshot of like plants versus zombies i don't feel like you'd be like oh yeah cool i want to keep looking at this you're like you look at it once and you're like okay why why are you sharing this um even as fun as it is but uh, also like monument valley it like it's a game that couldn't really exist in real life like just how it's set up it's like optical illusions like there's no way you could really do it physically like it's all digital all the time i don't know Since we had mentioned House of Cards before we started recording the show, House of Cards sort of spotlights Monument Valley a lot. Um, and they do in there mention the idea of it being like an MC Escher type experience, yep. which, yeah, you can't recreate in the, the physical world. Oh, how much money did they pay to get that? <laughs> the developer of Monument Valley like, sent out a message. He was like, oh. I did not pay them anything. They just reached out and it was a cool collaboration that he got to do. Huh. So it's actually pretty like great for him as an indie yeah. developer to get that level of like response from such a huge show 
But do we have any other thoughts on uh, cooperative gameplay and whether single player games are actually enjoyable? Monument Valley was enjoyable and it is pretty single player unless you share what yeah. you're like, I'm stuck. How, <laughs> how do I get this totem to where it needs to be? Other than that, it just depends on the game and how they're not they're accounting for not only the person that's playing the game, but the people around them, whether that's physically near them or digitally in their sphere of influence. <laughs> that's that's the wrong that's the wrong terminology (laughs) yeah no (laughs) it doesn't quite work (laughs) but sam do you have a final thought on this i have a final thought on the show so there are approximately about 2200 miles 3500 kilometers of appalachian trail appalachian i feel like everybody should just go out there and enjoy it I love how your final thoughts never have anything to actually do with the show. But uh, Sam and I are planning to hike the Appalachian Trail. So that is a life I'm glad that ties into gamification, physical and digital world stuff, and single-player games. Well, we could create a contemporary version of Oregon Trail. Oh, yeah, and get our dysentery. Yep. When I was thinking about the uh, gamification of learning, I thought of Oregon Trail, and it was like, I everyone played that, everyone loved it. What did we learn? All I remember was <laughs> that you could die of dysentery. That's all, and that crossing a river was the hardest fucking thing to do. Like, that's all I remember from that game. Yeah, and bullets. <laughs> like, you just have to keep buying them. And you're like, should I buy food? Or should I buy some bullets? Of course, you always buy bullets because then you can just hunt at any point and you just bring home hundreds of pounds of food. But then the food got all uh, <laughs> stinky. And you're like, oh, the meat spoiled. Yeah, and then you just go hunt again. And but then get you more ran food. out of bullets. And then sometimes you didn't run into yeah, an that's animal. why you only buy bullets. <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right, all I got to say is when Sam and I hike the Appalachian Trail, I do not want to die of dysentery, nor do I want to have to carry bullets with me. <laughs> I agree on both those parts. All right. But I think we've clearly reached the end of the show. That concludes the 15th episode of All of the Above. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out our show notes, head on over to alloftheaboveaudio episodes 015. By the way, if you're interested in how we go about creating those show notes, you can also check out our blog where Sean has a great write-up on how he puts the notes together. And as always, we would love to hear your feedback. You can find every which way to get in touch with us by going to alloftheaboveaudio slash contact. The easiest way to reach out is through Twitter, where we can be found collectively at AbovePodcast. Or, if you want to reach us individually, Sam can be found at Sam Bantner, Sean is at SPJPGRD, which are his ridiculously long initials, and I am at Brian M. Brush. Finally, if you are enjoying the show and want to help us out, hop into iTunes and leave a review, or just share the show with a friend. If you haven't already, then go ahead and subscribe while you're at it, so each new episode is automatically downloaded to your device of choice. We will look forward to joining you all next week when we discuss magazines with special guest and comrade of the show, Jacob Tinder. In the meantime, make sure you stay clear of the following things that would cause you to die on the Oregon Trail. Measles, snake bites, dysentery, typhoid, cholera, exhaustion, drowning, and my particular favorite, accidental gunshot wounds.